Welcome back to Revelation On Demand Podcast, a podcast interested in what the Bible has to say about our lives today. Join us as we see what revelations we find today. I'm your host, J.D. Myers, and I'm joined today, as usual, by Mr. Chris Hess. How you doing, buddy? Hey, buddy. I'm, I'm hanging in there. Kind of a rough week, though I, I praise God that we have this platform and this show because it brings me all the more closer to the Lord and reminds me of all the things in life that, um, you know, that are just all the more important to be following through with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely appreciate all the people who listen to us and want to thank you all who are stuck with us through this, especially through the early episodes that are rough. Uh, I really appreciate you guys, but going into the world, we had daylight savings time last week, which on top of a blizzard here in Colorado, which really sucked. So I, I, I don't know what I want to rant about first because I have this whole shtick against daylight savings time because for the longest time I thought it was something that the farmers did because they wanted to have more day during the day. Come to find out it wasn't the farmers who did this, it was city folk who started this this practice of shifting the daylight hours around because it was hard to see in stores at certain times of the day. Well, personally, I think we should just go to the summer clock and stay there since we have all these artificial lights. So I don't see the reason why we do this. That is a, <laughs> that's a very valid point. We do have artificial light now. We have all these safety provisions. Um, and, and to be frank with you, uh, there's a handful of states that are actually deviating from it now and trying to put it into power yeah. that um, that they're just going to abolish it in their state. Uh, the only two states currently that don't follow daylight savings are Arizona and Hawaii. I lived yeah. in Hawaii. Um, I had family in Arizona. Kind of funny. But it was just as much confusing for us because we're like, oh, how do we talk to people in the mainland? How do we talk to people in other states and know exactly what time you're going to be able to converse with them, let alone in the state of Hawaii, where um, you're already a, a handful of hours off and you always have to wait until like late at night to text anyone. Yeah. <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah. No. And then, of course, we had the blizzard on top of that. So you guys got hit with a blizzard a few weeks ago, but we got our blizzard just last weekend and i'd say we got about three foot of snow and then of course the wind around here drifted it yeah no it was it was a crazy mile so this is the worst snowstorm i've been through and it made for a really long weekend because i had to work so i had three 16 hour days that just drug on but Enough of me complaining. I, well, I just, actually, I, I, I kind of want to bring that up real quick because uh, our blizzard was definitely not that. Out here yeah. in Missouri, we're like, or at least my part of Missouri, we're, we were pretty shocked that we got anything. I mean, collectively, I'm pretty sure we got about uh, maybe two feet at best or like, uh-huh. you know, like a foot and a half. But that's very substantial out here because rumor has it we don't carry as many snow plows uh yeah and you'll notice that some places like on the east coast directly on the water there's plenty of states that don't have state provided city provided and you usually have to rely on yeah private plows so it's interesting because you know thank god the the community i live in had private ones because i'm sure that the main ones were just i'm sure it took them all day to probably get a job done that would be uh in other circumstances than a whopping three feet of snow in colorado would probably you know those plows would probably take a few hours to to do everything around here compared to us where we we had to do it over several days yeah yeah it took it took the state several days to get out here to our road but within the first 12 hours of snow i think they had the interstate clear so that they was... do have to do that that's their main priority but that's yeah i mean he was telling me about this jd was telling me about this and i'm like oh i i guess it's you know i guess i got a decent amount of snow but you had to work in three feet of snow well god bless you yeah no and we we got lucky we have this farmer that works with us that has a lot of heavy equipment and he has he had put all his dozer blades back on his tractors which for anyone who doesn't know is these 
big yellow blades that we put on tractors to push silage. Well, they're pretty good at pushing snow too. So we had two of those tractors and he had another loader. And of course we had three loaders. So we, we had all those snow moved and we were getting around pretty good by the end of the day. It just, it made for a long, long day. Leave it to the farmers to be the most ingenious when it comes (laughs) to ingenuity. Yeah. And one more thing that happened in the world, we wanted to talk a little bit about the, not so much the Grammys, since I don't really care. I don't know if anyone listening really cares about the Grammys, but it did give me an opportunity to talk about how the world has over-sexualized everything to the point where the show that happened on the Grammys is, is maybe not praised by Christians or, or our circles, but definitely heard that there was news talking about how this show was all about women's empowerment. And I couldn't help, but you know, I, I watched the part of it. I didn't watch the whole, uh, I don't know. Was it, it was a halftime show or something like that, but the show where they had this lady up there singing a song and dancing around and it just, it was basically softcore porn <laughs> and that was national TV. So, I mean, it's bad enough when we see stuff like this in commercials and they're selling stuff with, you know, pretty women in scantily clad clothing. It's already bad enough for video games where you have buxom anime chicks running around and, you know, it's, it's bad enough there. But when this is supposed to be like a national show that lots of people watch and. I don't know anyone who watches it anymore, to be honest, but it's just like the pulse of the culture right now. And it's, it's kind of sad. Well, anything, there's still accredited to a certain degree. We know as Christians to sort of look away from yeah. a mass collection of anything in what would be the secular movement. Right. Mm. Um, so especially secular music, secular media, etc. But, um, yeah, you take a look at the Grammys, uh, any other of the award shows, Golden Globes, Oscars, uh, even like the Tonys, let's be real. Um, you get a lot of crass, rude, and uh, in this case, it was hypersexualized, but just vulgar stuff. So yeah. we are talking about one musician in particular, we're not going to name her, who had a very popular song that uh, stands for an acronym if that rings a bell with anyone. And it's, uh, don't even try it. You know, it's, it's It's really infesting itself in the youth. It's infesting itself just in general. And I think that all originates from the majority sin that we talked about in revelations too. That is just, um, you know, we, we talk about the prostitute in revelations. Well, She's also symbolized in how we go throughout our daily lives and we see sexualization, hypersexualization, and just really bad stuff yeah. on the daily, whether you're a guy or a girl or mm-hmm. a guy or a lady, however you want me to properly use those pronouns. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, to JD's point where he's talking about it being women's empowerment, it's it's funny to me because for the longest time, a lot of those movements for women's empowerment wanted to abolish any sexualization of women at all in media and in the public eye, which I mean, take that as you will, but now it's hypersexualization dominance and, you know, separation and almost segregation of the woman being so much greater than the man Mm-hmm. And the man being subject to her sexuality and nothing else. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, take that as you will. It's just, you know, this particular instance was an epitome of that. And of course, right. the, the uh, millennial generation, Gen X, whatever you want to put it, um, you know, the younger crowd is always fueled by the most sinful of activities and wants to glorify it and praise it. Like it is, you know, just like it is, like praising a false idol. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think you pretty put pretty much put a nail on that one. So <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and move us on to what happened last episode. So we, you were talking a little bit about the pro or the not the prophet, the prostitute 
that we seen in the last episode. And what also happened was the hallelujah over the fall of Babylon. There was this great rejoicing that happened and all of the heavens rejoiced over the defeat of Babylon. And then Jesus comes in and defeats the beasts and the false prophets. And we see, uh, I don't think we talked about Armageddon last episode. Uh, we see a battle between Jesus and the forces of evil. And then of course the bloody feast for the sinners where I cleverly said you're for dinner. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we we had this really bloody scene in the last chapter where it's just the the beasts of the earth are feasting on the corpses of all those who did not follow Christ. Yeah, and go figure with that one that something that isn't trustworthy would betray the trust of even those who invested that much trust in it. That's yeah. a tongue twister. Don't try to repeat it. <laughs> But yeah, I just it's such a reoccurring theme throughout the Bible, throughout our daily lives, that people who invest themselves in something that you know is going to hurt you or that you know is bad is going to end up hurting you, whether that's a person or a thing. So it's it just makes so much more sense to avoid cat, you know, catastrophe and getting hurt by not investing your trust in something like the beast of the land. And, uh, you know, uh, we're going to end up talking about the dragon a little bit, which by the way, there was something we missed last episode about that, right? Well, no, I think I actually overspoke last episode. I think i mentioned that the dragon was cast down and, and defeated in the last chapter, but I don't, I can't remember if I did or not. So if I did, I'm just, you know, blanket apology. Uh, sorry about that. We're talking about the jag- dragon and his fall in this chapter. So, Oh, okay. I think you might have yeah. been. Yeah, I, I do actually kind of remember that. I think you uh, might have got your words mixed up just temporarily over mm-hmm. uh, the dragon being the beast of the land. The beast of the land was to be defeated, right? Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, because right, there was there's actually three be- or two beasts and a prophet, right? Yes, so the beast of land, land, beast of the, beast of the sea. sea, and then the false prophet, right? And they had certain characteristics that were strikingly uh, resembling certain uh, certain like um, features that the dragon has, similarly like the yeah. crown and the, the different horns and the horns in the crown uh, where the dragon has like 13 crowns uh the beast of the land has one crown and he has ever so many horns resembling this this and this so yeah, yeah just certain characteristics might have tipped us off on that note and for I think, that i think the dragon had 10 crowns i don't think it was 13 i think it was 10 10 yeah. for each nation yes yeah. okay and then seven heads or was it 10 heads and seven crowns? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Numbers. Yes. For that, we sincerely apologize. And uh, yes. for our lack of mathematics, uh, we, just know we that we invested that much job. thought into the Lord. Yeah. We, we did such a good job on those episodes. Go back and listen to those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're moving we along. Taking it day by day, span. folks. <laughs> attention spans. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Would you be so kind to read our first chunk of scripture here? Yes. So uh, today we have scripture separated into three sections uh, for sacred convenience. And so that we can break it down note by note. We've been doing this for the past handful of episodes. So this first section is going to be the longest. It goes all the way from verse one to verse six of chapter 20. Just for the record, if you need to turn your Bibles to that. And then we're going to do the rest of it in separate sections. Why don't we go ahead and get this started? Section is called The Thousand Years. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into a bottomless pit, the bottomless pit, 
which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. Amen. I don't know why I always want to say amen after we get done with scripture. Scripture is exciting. It's yes. something that, you know, it's everlasting though. So yeah. it, let and it be we, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Amen. Every time. But um, that's everlasting and that's always going to be. And that is, that is what it is. So mm-hmm. don't ever so, be afraid that it'll come to a close. Yeah. Yeah. So as we, we alluding to before we read scripture, uh, the beasts and the false prophets are out of the way. So this is where the dragon is bound for a time of peace, which is the thousand years, which we're digging into the millennium today. So we're going to talk about millennialisms, um, even though oh I don't like getting into those, but we have to for the sake of this section. Uh, those who refuse to worship the beast are resurrected and uh, can re- reign with Christ. We hear this this group of people who are, are brought up and resurrected in Christ and start this thousand year reign, which I may be giving away my view here before we get into the millennialisms. But uh, then when they have the mention of the abyss again, and wherever the abyss is mentioned, we always see the fallen angels, which could also be the dragon, which would be Satan, who is a fallen angel or the beasts or prophets or something like that. So some sort of fallen angel, the keys to the abyss and the abyss are always mentioned in a section together, which is something I, I kind of noticed just pop into my mind here in this last section where these three things are always mentioned together. I mean, there's a few references where the abyss is just by itself in the Bible, but whenever it's talking in revelation, it seems to always put these three together. So there could be a, a great connection here that I missed that maybe room for well, an episode later. <laughs> okay. So some, just out of speculation though, if in case you didn't all know this, the abyss is also known as like um, something that surrounds the earth during revelation. Mm-hmm. And basically it looks like an abyss, but it's like a, it's like a, a hole that you fell down and it doesn't end, but it, mm-hmm. it, it essentially goes into damnation and hell and obliteration. Yeah. Uh, most other sections of the Bible, and I, I believe they brought it up once in Revelation, not that long ago, is uh, the sea or the lake of fire, which mm. is the basic, which is basically you know uh, the diving board in order to get to the realm of hell. So yeah. take that as you will. I don't know if it's necessarily a realm, you know. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we'll see. That might not have been the best wording, but yeah. So the lake of fire is my main talking point with this is like mm. some mentions. If you, if you think, if you want to think about this visually and spiritually in like a, in a visual way, like JD yeah. always does. Um, <laughs> it's either this dark thing that looks like a never ending hole, um, a way to gaze into the pit of hell mm-hmm. with the lake of fire. Yeah. Or it's, you know, something that you just recognize as being, you know, that's doom. Yeah. And see, I, whenever I imagine the abyss, uh, did you watch Hercules, the animated, like that was really popular when we were younger kids. Are you talking about like the, um, yes. Are you talking about like that thing that's like below Hades? That yeah. Is- the place where the Titans are bound. Yes. Yes. That's what I always think about because we, we hear constantly that the abyss is where, 
the worst demons in the world have been bound so that they aren't allowed to, you know, wreak havoc on the earth. And I think that that may be kind of where, since this is all in Greek, this may be where John is pulling from when he's talking about the abyss. About the abyss. Yeah. So I mean, with that, just for the record, with that, we're not saying that's how it is identical. Yeah, yeah. Word it's just how word. I... That's how you've seen it. And I mean, to your credit, that it, that I mean, that could be a possibility. Bless you yeah. for whatever your idealism or whatever your yeah. beliefs are. Um, I, I've always thought that, you know, in the eyes of the Lord, if we are all equal as brothers and sisters and, you know, no matter what your spirit may be, other than the Lord and in this case, Satan, we are all on some level playing field and being bound to hell or being bound to heaven you're no stronger or weaker um than obviously like um the the hierarchy of angels um than anyone else you know what i mean so if you've been segregated to hell it doesn't mean that the most evil person to ever live in mankind um is going to be any greater or lesser than you every sin is equal but yeah. I could talk about that all day. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's get into the millennialism now. Um, talk of the millennium because it mentions here a thousand year reign. And I see no way to get around talking about different views of the millennium. So uh, I'm going to just for reference this with, you know, this is surface level research that I did on all these different views. I kind of hold an amalgamated view of different, uh, things here just on what I've read. So I don't necessarily ascribe to any one of these. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was Mike Winger who said he was a progressive post-millennialist. And I, I resonated most with what he described as that, but uh, we're going to start with amillennialism, which is a group of people who just believe that it's really hard. And I mean, we kind of fall into this too. It's really hard to tell when exactly this, this millennium is supposed to start and if it really is even a thousand years. So they believe that the thousand year reign is symbolic. And remember, this is just kind of a general overview of the groups. There can be many different uh, changes to these beliefs, but these are kind of sure. where these, these beliefs sit. So, uh, the one K starts before. So, uh, this means when Christ was resurrected, that's where the one K started. So this is why all millennialists believe it is symbolic because it's been over 2000 or we're almost at 2000 years, like literally since Christ was re resurrected. So, uh, you know, we're only 11 years away from 2000 years from Christ's resurrection. So, and they also believe that Satan was bound by Jesus at his resurrection. Uh, so uh, kind of hard for me to jive with that because just as we talk every time at the beginning of the episode about how evil the world is, it's hard to say that, you know, Satan isn't working out there. Well, okay, so I'm not going to interject too much on that. I'm just going to let... Uh, he is talking about um, Satan being bound at the initial resurrection of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Not the well, second coming. Yeah, no, that's why... Uh, I, when when I say bound by Jesus, that's what I meant. Is It's talking about his first resurrection. So, I mean, I guess talking about the abyss, they can get it that way where, you know, his most terrible generals are locked down in the abyss so maybe that's he doesn't have his full power so that's what it means by bound but typically when i see bound especially talking in spiritual language in the bible i see it more as like completely bound not just like restricted you know they also believe in uh, one judgment so believers and unbelievers are judged at the same time during the resurrection so we hear about this time uh usually caught up with the rapture where everyone is resurrected and then they stand before the throne of God, which we will also hear about later in this chapter. They believe they don't believe there is any rapture from the second coming. So I believe they 
they are more like me in this where I'm not necessarily sure there's like a point where everyone's just taken up at once, but they believe as you, as people die, they're in the presence of God. So that's much more like what I believe. And then the church is spiritually Israel. So I think there's only one, yes, there's only one look or view that we're going to go over that has anything different to say on this. So, Okay, so the, just taking a step back, I mean, based off of what I was hearing from you, and uh, I know you're trying to stay as informative as possible. Yeah. Maybe this does apply to amillennialism. Maybe yeah. it doesn't. Um, I've always viewed, just as an opinion, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are the all-powerful. You know, mm-hmm. the Trinity is all-powerful. Satan can be bound at any moment in time, and he yeah. is not necessarily, uh, in latent terms, the king of all demons, the king of all evil. He is responsible yeah. for the fall, and he is represented as a leader of evil and yeah. a leader of hell. But he is still, uh, based off of something, I went to a few Christian schools when I was younger, uh-huh. that he is still subjected to the torment of hell just like anyone else. He doesn't yeah. have reign over anything. If anything, yeah. he is to be brought forth so that, um, you know, it, on Judgment Day, for, not Judgment Day necessarily uh, to the individual, but for uh, during tribulation and post-rapture, whether or not it's going to happen according to this belief, it, it doesn't happen. But yeah, um, that he will be brought forth to be further subjected. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, I guess it's a complicated subject. You and I are going to have to talk about this privately sometime. Okay. No, that's fine. I, I don't believe uh, the devil or Satan is, is king of hell. I, I don't know if I, I mentioned that somehow. Or, but, or uh, the root of all sin. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And I think he is because he's the first to fall. Right. Go all but, the way back to the garden. He tricked man into walking away from God, which. Okay. For sure. Know, and, and there's so, still the fallen angels. There's still so many other roots of evil. Oh yeah. I mean, no. And, and they're all autonomously working. But he's also the guy who gets to call the shots. You know, it's 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 like any good manager. You let your people underneath you do their jobs. You know, you don't okay. you don't sit there and micromanage everything. It's the same way God works with us. He doesn't sit here and micromanage us. He lets us yeah. go carry out his will to the best of our abilities. You know, so I, I don't think like. I also not the demon behind every bump in the night sort of guy. So I don't know if okay. I ever came across as that, but yeah, I, I just on. wanted to verify that with you. I, I overcomplicated it for you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, but finishing amillennialism, uh, the church is spiritually Israel, which means they don't, they believe that the new church re- re- replaced the chosen people where we see, uh, and they, God is using the church to fulfill all the promises he made to Israel. So when we when we talk about the church is spiritually Israel, that's what I'm talking about. There's the next view is the only one who who deviates from this. The rest of them pretty much stick to this um carrying on. And there's a few more different views that I didn't we don't have time to go over. We're already nearing 30 minutes. But uh ooh, ooh, can I do the next one? Go ahead. This next one is called Dispensational Premillennialism. Can you say that twice? <laughs> dispensational Premillennialism. Okay, so in this case, they do take the 1,000-year reign to be literal. The previous one, it was symbolic, but we were, they weren't sure in amillennialism that it would be a literal thing to happen, even though it's said in the Bible, it's said in scripture and said in truth. Well, Mm -hmm. this one, so I don't have to repeat it, is taking that to be literal. So they know that that 1,000 year reign is going to happen and it's going to be at exactly 1,000 years, whether or not, um, well, I mean, there is no alternative to that. It's going to be exactly Mm -hmm. at 1,000 years to the minute to the T. Um, After that 1,000 years, Christ comes after tribulation before just 1000 so like yeah. okay maybe to the t you know he's there five minutes early yeah so um, so according to the dispensational premillennials we're in a place uh before tribulation so 
uh, it, it'd be, uh, the end of the world starts tribulation, Christ comes and then the millennium reign, which is kind of how I see it and how it sounds in what we read. Yeah. You, so. you, I guess you can, you can sort of pick and choose from this. Yeah. No viewpoint is perfect. Um, we are not on omnipotent like the Lord and the father. Yeah. Um, luckily there's grace for, you know, theological stuff, disagreements. <laughs> That's the, that's the reason why God gave us a brain, right? Yep. Um, Satan being bound at the exact 1,000-year mark in this mm-hmm. one. Uh, two judgments, believers before the 1,000 and... Unbelievers after. after. Okay. So unbelievers after the 1,000-year reign because there would be the one, like, a.k.a. the rapture or the initial phase of tribulation which is mass destruction after yeah, we get everything set up sort of deal you know the numbers the beasts and everything where they're just sort of slaughtering those that still um that still believe so on and so forth it's it's, it's if you look into our previous episodes a good series also to look into is called the left behind if you're yeah. curious about what happens to believers or new believers post rapture but anyway, yeah. speaking of raptures, there is a rapture in this belief where the previous one did not. Uh, there's no okay. So what do you mean by there's no common consensus, JD? Uh, so what I'm talking about is is that this goes into the post, pre, and during trib debate. So uh, the dispensational pre, like this, everyone's having this conversation that agrees that there is going to be a rapture. So just kind of encompassing them all in dispensational premillennialism that they believe in a rapture and that there isn't a consensus on if the rapture happens before tribulation during tribulation or after tribulation. All right. And the most common belief, just for the record, I'm just going to throw this out there. The most common belief before you get into mass theology, which I guess would also apply to um, that series I just mentioned is that, before tribulation, there was a rapture to be announced with the sounding of the seventh trumpet, so on and so forth, and all believers are brought up to heaven. Yeah, um, yeah, and this, this, this all that kind of falls into the next point where this is just what dispensationalists are all about, where there's seven dispensations and we're in the sixth dispensation before the final one. So this is where they see this is the time for the church to get its rewards, to fulfill its, its, you know, role. And then at the end of this dispensation, the next one starts and that's where Israel gets judged. That's where Israel is, is put through the ringer. This is, and that they believe the tribulation is the judgment and the refining fire for Israel. So, I know a dispensationalist, and he believes that the church, everyone who believes before the tribulation will be taken up because this is the end of the church's, you know, time of fulfilling prophecy. And then tribulation is just the punishment and refining for Israel, the literal Israel. So that'd be the Jews of our day to have a chance to come to Christ to go through, you know, reaping the rewards of breaking covenant after covenant with God. So that's my basic understanding of dispensationalism. Okay. That, I mean that I'm not going to throw an opinion in there. I'm pretty neutral (laughs) on whether or not I'd be a dispensationalist. Um, (laughs) As I am, I I feel like the Lord is accepting to all walks of life, no matter where you come from. Yeah. And and like I said before, there's so much grace for disagreements in theology. As long as we agree that the only way to get to heaven is through Christ. And the only way, you know, is through faith alone. So, yeah, faith and uh, faith and taking the hand of and taking a walk with, with Jesus. Jesus, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so so we can fly through the last two. Um, yes, because there there's not a huge amount of difference between the last two, but uh, we got historical premillennialism, which is still this idea uh, that we are before the one k or the one thousand years. 
Yes, we are. I think I think that means that they believe we are. We still haven't gotten to the thousand years. I think. But anyways, um, they there's a disagreement in this group on whether it's literal thousand years or symbolic. So there's discussion there, and we've talked a little bit about that. Uh, that the millennium comes after Christ. So Christ, um, Christ comes after tribulation and before the millennium, which is just like the last premillennialism that we looked at. And again, they believe Satan is bound at the millennium. And they also believe in two judgments, one for believers before the millennium and then other, another judgment for the unbelievers after millennium. Right, uh, which was the exact un- same one as the previous yeah, premillennialism. Yeah, unlike uh, dispensationalists, they believe there is no rapture, just the second coming after tribulation. So they believe Christ comes after tribulation, which I agree with that. And then we're back to this church is spiritually Israel. So church gets Israel's promises and blessings. So there's none of this uh, Israel's to be uh, Israel's promises are to be fulfilled to Israel specifically. It's those promises are being fulfilled through the church. And then we have the post-millennialists. Which there's a lot of disagreement again on whether the millennium is literal or symbolic. One uh, K or the millennium happens before, so the millennium will be brought through the work of the church. Uh, so this is instead of I think all the views that we are looking at before this, most of them or premillennialism believes that tribulation happens. Christ comes and then the thousand years happens. The post-millennialists believe that thousand years happens before Christ comes, um, which is a little confusing to me, but that's what I understand. Uh, There's disagreement. Okay. Yeah. Based off of some of the info I'm looking at here, um, that would mean that we would already be living in the thousand years before or, or, or at any point in time, you know, because yeah. no one can truly determine that we don't know when this yeah. is going to happen. But in theory, we would already or at some point people are going to be living for a thousand years in life just yeah. as it is now. Yeah. And then the church will bring forth. Yes. Yeah. And, and then they have disagreement on whether Satan was bound by Jesus at his first resurrection or if he will be at his second coming. Uh they only believe in one judgment, which will be everyone after the thousand years. They don't believe in a rapture. And again, they believe the church is spiritually Israel. So they fulfill all the promises through the church instead of just Israel. So personally, uh, I think the thousand years can be symbolic. Um, I believe that it's going to happen that the end of the world will see the uh absolution of desolation happen, which could be an entire episode that we do um, in the future. But that absolution of desolation will happen, which is the first is the the only sign that Revelation talks about actually being the start of the end. Uh, Tribulation will happen. And during this time, and I I think just any time from now until uh, tribulation is over with, when we die as believers, we are taken up to Christ. So I believe in a, a concurrent rapture, I guess. You know, it's an immediate rapture that's happening until the end times are finished. Not a, like, all at once we're taken up and disappear, like in the Left Behind series. Uh, though I believe the books were a little more gruesome where their bodies were actually left. Um, yes. Anyways. Uh, and then tribulation will happen. Jesus will come, and then the thousand years begins. Because it sounds to me like the thousand-year reign is supposed to be peace and this kind of feeling of of what heaven and earth are supposed to be like before the final recreation. So, yeah, that's what I was taught in school when I went to when I went to a Christian middle school. Uh, I don't know if my mic is much louder now. JD, random note, I yeah. had to adjust it. Um, okay, but anyway, 
that's what I was taught in middle school, uh, basically, that um, it's going to be, they told me sequentially, yeah. it's going to be rapture, tribulation, Christ's second coming. Yeah. And then it's going to be post Christ's second coming and, I, you know, defeat of Satan. Mm-hmm. Then we get a thousand years of peace. And then it's recreation. So it's like yeah. a thousand years of doomsday, uh, a thousand years of awesomeness. And then yeah. from there on out, it's just eternally awesome. It yeah. is always eternally awesome. The Lord is with us yeah. always. Yeah. Right. Um, why don't we go ahead and start reading the next section of scripture? Yeah. Cause we still yeah. have two Too sections. Much. They're, they're nowhere near the length of the first one. This is a long chapter folks. So we appreciate you sitting here with us. Well, we, yeah. We just had to dig into the millennialism debate. So I'm sure we, we upset some people doing that, but let's continue on. <laughs> uh, well, the Lord has provided all of us with a, a decent level of understanding and grace yes, as well. Yes. All right, this section is called The Defeat of Satan. When the thousand years comes to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for battle. A mighty army is as numberless as sand along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. They false prophets. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I just had that question. I was like, oh, weren't there more than one false prophet? <laughs> uh, I think I keep saying false prophets. I, that's not technically correct. Um, it is one singular false prophet. Oh, no, I'm thinking about the, the martyrs. The two. Yeah. Yeah. The two we had earlier on in Revelation. The prophets. The regular the prophets. prophets the, who were, yes. who were um, martyred and... Um, had died very unfortunately because they stood for the representation God. of Christ, yes, mm-hmm. and God during yeah. tribulation. So we we see this phase. this section. It talks about the uh, very briefly about the thousand years and what happens after the thousand years ends. So the kind of image that I got in my head as we read this section was uh, God has made this place where heaven and earth are combined and he's got this city on the earth. The rest of the earth is just full of these nations who are ready to be uh, taken over by the devil, so to say, and the devil's released. He whips around the world, getting all these armies together and he makes his final assault on heaven. Uh, So, a little quick note, uh, the amillennialists believe this is the same fight as Armageddon, which we mentioned a few chapters back, where we were talking about the final fight between heaven and the forces of evil. And then premillennialists see it as a separate battle. So there's the Armageddon battle and there's this battle. So we see several times, and again, with the kind of the murky way, uh, prophecy is is told to us we see several times of this great battle where jesus or god is just destroying all evil so right you take that as individual battles or all as the same battle i'm not sure there's i I would be pretty sure if you were to uh, i guess similarly to some of these theories is quite literally it mentions how in the last chapter Christ was resurrected, brought an army forth, had a battle that bound Satan. Mm -hmm. And now we have another, so to speak, battle, but it's really just an annihilation of evil. Yeah. um, Where Satan has risen up. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's exited the abyss and he's making his final assault. So yes, it very much seems like there's the one where the very physical, nations are dealt with in in this 
wiping battle. And then this one feels very much like this is going to be the battle to end all battles. So yeah, maybe not a, this t- is Armageddon instead of the other one before. Okay. I mean, yeah, there's, like we said, there's up to like seven primary perspectives on this end. Yeah. I, I'm trying to be fair and respectable. I'm yeah. not going to say one's more right than the other because, mm. you know, there are scholars and very accredited individuals who are strong followers of Christ and good people who have invested so much time and so much of their hardworking lives um, into these theologies so yeah i mean who's to say we are still amateurs yeah so uh then it mentions gog and magog and if you want to chase down that reference it is ezekiel 38 and through 39 it where it's talking about this evil nation so in this case gog and magog is just i don't think it is actually this nation but he's using them as an example of this very sinful nation and sinful leader that put their face against God. So he's using it to represent the resurgence of the evil nations. And the first is the evil surround the city of the saints, which I, you know, we, this is the first time we, we hear of the beloved city. So I'm wondering, is this new Jerusalem or is this something that happens before, you know, new Jerusalem and they will be wiped out by divine fire. And the dragon joins the beast and the false prophet in the burning lake of fire, which that was a correction I issued first thing this morning. <laughs> and uh, this is this is where uh, Satan is sent to hell. And as we were talking about earlier, this is he is serving his time in hell. He's he's, you know, imprisoned in hell. He's not the leader of hell. So to each of their own with that, because there yeah. are certainly different viewpoints that would suggest that he's the primary source of it of all sin to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I just, I was just sharing my opinion personally. And I think JD does agree to a certain degree that yeah. um, he's not the sole source of everything all the time because yeah. he can't be all powerful. He can't yeah. be all knowing. Uh-huh. Um, and he is not omnipresent either. Yeah. And in fact, I, since this is something we're dealing with today is, is sophisticated AI where if you ever noticed, if you have your tracking data, turn on how ads start guessing what you're thinking. So I think of Satan as this really sophisticated AI. He can't know everything. He can only take in the data that he observes from us and sees what our, our habits are. And then he can make a guess on what sins we would be most susceptible to. And then he dispatches his minions to tempt us into those things and not to make us any less agents. But if we give into those temptations, we are choosing to give into those temptations as reborn in Christ. We have the ability to reject those temptations. So that I, I take a very more spiritual view of sin and how that whole thing works so that could be that could be five episodes if we're <laughs> yeah, right 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 uh, well if we you look at on? this sin is it really all that much worse no every sin is equal <laughs> but when you really think about it if you repeated a basic sin over the worst of all worst yeah okay we're yeah. not gonna get into that right <laughs> um shall we shall we wrap up the final section yes so i definitely spaced i'll let you know where we were uh, that was seven to 10 those were verses yeah. 7 to 10 we're still in the same chapter folks we always stick to one chapter during our episodes this is going to nice. be verses 11 to 15 and the section is called the final judgment and i saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it the earth and the sky fled from his presence but they found no place to hide i saw the dead both great and small standing before God's throne and the books were opened, including the book of life and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead and the death and the grave gave up their dead and all were judged according to their deeds. 
Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Yeah, and here here we get the lake of fire reference that everyone knows uh, hell is referred to as. And uh, uh, so the final judgment, all the dead stand before the throne to receive judgment. So uh, being all-encompassing omnipotent, you know, omnipotent God, this could take mere seconds because he could do it all at once. Uh, He could judge everyone at the same time because he doesn't have the limited capacities we do. Uh, The great right, the the great white throne connotes his purity, authority, victory, and this, this idea of what I think God is, is just ultimate goodness. So the dead include believers and unbelievers. So this is where I think that any millennialist debate where there's two judgments, I feel falls apart because it's very much talking about everyone. It's not talking about like any specific group. It's just the dead. It's everyone who's ever died, which should be everyone at some point. Okay. So this actually, this literal section actually made me pause for a second because uh, one, because of the translation when it said the grave gave up their dead. And yes. I think that meant like more literally. Um, okay. The so like world. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. That's, that's what the grave means. Whenever you see grave in the new Testament, it's talking about the entity uh, known as the underworld or Hades, as it was commonly known in Greek. Huh, interesting that they use the same terminology. Nonetheless, yeah. uh, where was I going with this? Yes, Sorry. so we actually had brought this up in a previous episode where um, it, was a, it was a belief system that basically said, are all forgiven even after... Maybe this was going in my mind. <laughs> yeah. That all were forgiven upon the resurrection of all dead. Or yeah. when when in this phase where the sea gave up the dead and the grave gave up the dead, were all yeah. brought forth to the presence of God and then purified. Yeah. And yeah. it says right here, then death and the grave were thrown in the lake of fire. Okay, yeah. well, death and the grave are um, also representing one of the riders of the apocalypse, the death. Yes. And then the grave, Hades. which you just yeah. informed me of, we'll nickname it Hades because that's what it was most commonly referred to back in the day. Uh-huh. Um, and it still follows through with that second death. It says so yeah. in scripture. That's yeah. interesting to me because I had heard a lot of theories, more like, um, uh, for lack of a better word, using is progressive movement would tell me that all are forgiven no matter, you know, it's it's kind of like that idealism, like no matter what you yeah. do, we're all forgiven at the end of the day, and that actually helped corrupt me for a little while, because I was like, mm-hmm. well, you know, Lord still loves me at the end of the day, so I can get away yeah. with this, this, this. Um, yeah. yeah, but anyway, yeah. So, so that's so, interesting to me that there is an actual second death for everyone. I feel like that should be apparent. You know, you're not going to see a dictator, you know, who was responsible for slaughtering millions of people suddenly show up at the foot of he- uh, the foot of hell, the foot of mm-hmm. God and suddenly be like totally okay to walk among us. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, no, I, I totally get you. I think that we were talking about the ultimate reconciliation guys, the, the people who believe everyone gets entry into heaven at the end, you know, they, they all get, they all get mercy even if they don't deserve it and they don't take on the sacrifice of Christ. So uh, all our work here as we stand before the throne is judged. This is where I don't remember the scripture exactly, but all everything we've done passes through the fire and anything that is made out of precious metals survives the fire. Everything made out of chaff and wood is burnt up. So this would be in reference to how we spread God's word, how we love others, how we show Christ's love. That sort of stuff will make it through the fire. That's the that's the stuff that we keep in heaven. Whereas if we, you know, spend a lot of time doing stuff for ourselves and and get a lot of money and, and not use it for good or 
just anytime we're selfish, that's when we're building out of wood and hay and, and this flammable material that's just going to be burnt up. Like there's not saying there isn't a place for self-care. You know, we, we need to make sure that we are healthy and able-bodied to love others to our full you know extent. But this is where this is talking about and anything that as long it doesn't matter <coughs> uh, what we do, as long as we are in Christ, everything, all of our good works will be accounted to us and all of our bad works will be blown away in ashes. Whereas if you don't believe in Christ, you don't have this coming to Christ moment, you're not reborn in Christ, then it doesn't matter how much good you've done. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, gave a lot of money or loved people or whatever you will be cast into the lake of fire with even the daemon's death in the grave, which we talked a little bit about one episode where I was talking about the keys. These are entities. These are daemons. They are beings that were created by God and, and fell away. They are part of that, that fallen angel category. And even they don't escape final second death. So, yeah. Okay. So we've also talked about that in a previous episode is uh, what you were just saying a minute ago is like, e okay, when you said, even if someone loved people, did all yeah. this wonderful stuff throughout their yeah. life, and yet they still get to go to hell? Well, yeah. I mean, let's be real with you. <laughs> if it's not a walk through Christ, we all, as Christians, and a good majority of the world now, who are smart enough to pick up on this, or who are recognizing this, are able to recognize <clears throat> that there is no proper walk of life. There is no good walk of life if it's not through Christ. Yeah. Now we're, we're humans. We were meant to stumble and fall. So if we're not covered by the blood of Christ, there is nothing redemptive about us. So, right. And it, that being said, I agree with that too. I'm saying like, though, at these people who we always, well, you know, we were just talking about earlier, how musicians are idolized. Yeah. Uh, uh, even you know Satan, it, it, Lucifer was the the previous name of Satan was uh -huh. an angel of music. So go figure, um, was the angel of music. But um, yeah, I, I mean, always it, heard it's he was a, the angel of light, but I didn't know about the music part. <laughs> or he was incredibly accustomed to music. Maybe uh, I don't know. Um, nonetheless, nonetheless, um, you you don't truly have these good people everyone sins we know that but I, I feel like the lord has really sheltered us properly from the ideals that so many people that you know you were talking about donating a lot of money well that's mm. great where how did they acquire that how well yeah. are they supporting themselves in their personal life whether it's to themselves yeah. and to other people we don't truly know we all make mistakes but without walking through christ how can you even fathom redeeming yourself Right. How does that process go for these people? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's like I've talked about. Even the smallest sin against an ultimate being is, you know, infinite. So if you're not covered by the sacrifice of Christ, even the smallest sin ready makes you qualified to go to hell. <laughs> right, so, well, right. The ultimate being, just for the record. But yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I said uh, ultimate, the ultimate being. There is no others. Um, you were trying to put it into words that would be like understandable. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got you. But I, I was just making it more theoretical, I think. But staying true to believing in, in Christ and God, yes, even the smallest sin is infinite. So without Christ's atonement, without his covering, as we've talked a lot about, we deserve hell. So the takeaway I wrote up today was as long as we're covered by the blood of Christ, we will one day be in the presence of the Lord and be given the great reward of new life and a perfected existence. This process will not come without sacrifice, so we should seek to be as much like Christ now, so the changes to us will be lessened when we finally get resurrected. And that goes into that, that passing through the fire on judgment, where everything that's not holy, everything that's not perfect will be burnt away and everything that we did for the, the cause of the Lord, everything we did in Christ will be given to us as our new inheritance in the new creation.
Right. So. That's that's a steep jump into the abyss, and if you got stuff <laughs> weighing you down, rumor has it you're going to hit the fire quicker. Yeah. Yeah. So, anything else to add, buddy? We almost we topped out in an hour here. <laughs> I think is this our longest episode? Yeah, I think so. Cool. Yeah, this was an extensive one. It's a very essential part of Revelation. Yeah, and, and we're nearing our end. We're nearing our yes. end. How many more chapters do we got in Two Revelation? Two more buddy? chapters. That's what I thought. We'll have to start. I think we're going to go into the Olivet Discourse, and we should be having our one-year-old birthday, or birthday episode here soon. So, Yes. And amen to that. Um, yeah. We'll get more into that on the next time. Uh, yeah. Mr. Chris, signing out. All right. Thank you for listening to the Revelation On Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture, and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact us at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless, and see you next time.